What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because nobody else is going to do it for you. Awesome episode for you today on creating assets you can sell over and over again. Today's guest has done an excellent job of that in the world of Etsy printables, averaging over 10 grand a month in sales so far this year while balancing a full-time job and two young kids. You can find Rachel Jones at moneyhackingmama.com and stick around in this one to learn how to find profitable niches to sell digital products in on Etsy, some of the product categories she likes, and the tools and technology that she's using to get it all done. This is a dream business in a lot of ways because there's almost no overhead and the platform, Etsy in this case, is handling and automating your order fulfillment and giving you some powerful marketing tools to drive more sales. I like it. I'm excited about this one. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned are at sidehustlenation.com slash Rachel J. Now, because there's a lot of copycatting in this space, Rachel asked that her shop remain private, which is why you won't hear it mentioned by name in this episode. Still, she's got me fired up about the possibilities here. Big thanks to Cody from Gold City Ventures and The Fi Show for the intro. Ready? Let's do it. I like the quote, um, success leaves clues. So my biggest recommendation is to go on Etsy and just explore. I mean, you can go as simple as just type in the word printables or digital download and see what pops up. And then one key thing you're going to look for is bestseller tags. So Etsy gives this information away, which I love for doing research. But if you're looking at listings, you can just kind of zoom out and glaze your eyes so you're not paying attention and distracted by the pretty pictures, but just look for that bestsellers tag. And then once you find that, you can dig a little deeper and that will give you clues as to things that are selling because there's, you know, I'm sure millions of products on Etsy and there's, it's hard to tell which ones are selling and which aren't, but you know, if they're a bestseller that they are getting sales, people are purchasing those. And so there's a reason why those are popular. And then it just, you can use your intuition and, you know, around Mother's Day, Mother's Day printables are probably going to be popular. So that's another thing is trends and follow the seasons. Um, right now we're getting close to graduation season. Father's Day is coming up. You know, Christmas is a huge holiday where people are buying things to make the season special looking for the bestseller tags, but then also thinking of like in a macro level of what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Because I'm not obviously the target customer for buying this type of stuff. What, what would be an example of like a Mother's Day printable? Like, did I miss the boat on, on something that I should have ordered? I mean, you can download cards. So people, printable cards, you know, you go to Walmart and you can get a physical card, but some people, maybe they're so last minute or COVID, they don't want to go to the store. So they just buy one and print it at home, or they want something really unique, funny cat thing that you can't find on the Hallmark aisle. And so you can just download it at home. The other thing too, if you have, let's say you had people are trying to save money, you can buy it once and you could give it to your mom every year, which that would be kind of silly, but maybe you have your mother you know, your in-laws, you know, there's now their step parents and things like that. You could have four moms that you want to give to. And so you could give them all the same card because you bought it once and you can print it multiple times. Oh, interesting. So I searched printables, following your advice, and there are several results. I mean, there's hundreds of results, but a lot of them do have this bestseller tag on them. One of them is this daily habit tracker printable. It looks almost identical to this one that I created for free and gave away as a lead magnet. Except, I mean, it's much prettier than the version that I made in Google Docs. Like, it's got a nice font. It's got like this nice flower picture on it. But this thing is selling for $4.14. It's got the bestseller tag. It has 1,600 
five-star reviews, as far as I can tell. Are those reviews for the shop itself or for that specific product? The shop itself. Okay, so it's not necessarily that this one thing has been sold 1,600 times, but it's uh, safe to say something is moving from this shop, and it seems... What's the name of that shop? It is Design Studio Teti. Okay, okay. T-E-T-I. Are there a few that are like, oh, that's like a conglomerate or something? Like they're well-known in the printable space? Yeah, I was. there's one called Phoenix Printables, and they have low-cost planners, and they just sell a ton of them. And so I was wondering if it, that, it was that one, but it's not, so... But it's good for the listeners because they can go. That's a good example if for some reason they didn't find one to look at that one specifically. Okay. I do see Phoenix printable lower on the page. Yeah. 69 cents for mm-hmm. order form template type of thing. Okay. So if some people are going higher end. I should mention pricing on this page. You know, there's as high as 20 bucks, what it looks like for a huge bundle of party planner templates, uh, you know, to under a dollar for some of these. So, I guess as long as it's a net positive for you, because it doesn't, once you create it, Etsy handles the delivery and after their fees, I guess you still make a little bit. So that's okay. Yeah. Well, here's 30 bucks for another type of change your life bundle. So there's some pricing power here if it's something that people really are after. Yeah. And with pricing, I definitely think it's better, like, if you're going to make a product, so if you're looking at this, if you're brand new to this and you're looking at printables, if you see a bunch that are bestsellers and you're like, ooh, should I make the 69 cent one or the $30 one? I would say $5 or more. Try to, you're going to just make more profit. Okay. Now, did you start in the you know, personal finance niche? Like, I'm just thinking like the broad world of printables is huge. Is there a sub segment where you started or where you would recommend somebody start? So I'm part of the FIRE community, Financial Independence Retire Early, and I've always been an avid budgeter. So I was like, well, I saw other people were making budgeting items. And since that was where my expertise was, I was like, well, let me try to match those two passions and create something for people. And so I started with budgeting products and it did okay. It's definitely has some seasonality. I think people make New Year's resolutions in January, December, January. And so that is when sales picked up for me, but there was a lot of competition in that space. And quite frankly, I was new. So my products weren't that great. (laughs) Looking in hindsight, I was like, okay, you know, I could have made better ones. And so I then pivoted and did a little bit of wall art. And I had some success with that. I had people purchasing items for weddings. So, you know, if you're at a wedding party and you at the cocktail table, you might have a cute little sign, either wall art or a sign that says something cute about drinking or something like that. So I did some of those and I had some custom orders, which were fairly profitable. And so that was nice. But again, there's a lot of competition in that space as well. So eventually I started thinking about what you know, what am I good at? What, do, where does my expertise lie? Where do I see a market need on Etsy? And then I landed on providing things for businesses specifically. So then I went the route of templates. I actually, it started because my sister, she's a speech therapist and she paid a lawyer $250 for a COVID form. And I was like, wow, that's expensive. And then I was like, huh, a COVID form. I wonder, and this was right when COVID started about a year ago. I was like, I wonder if that would sell on Etsy. And so I looked it up and there were just a handful and they were selling from anywhere from like 10 to $50 even. But I was like, well, 50 is a good deal compared to 250. And so I made a COVID form and started selling that. And that's where I was like, oh, okay, business people need products. And maybe there's a niche there that I can help with. This is 
Interesting. So this is just kind of a sign they would hang on their door of like, you know, do not enter if you've had any of these symptoms type of thing. So anywhere from that, like the mask wearing sign, now you see them everywhere, right? At restaurants, it's kind of like the no shirt, no shoes, no service, no mask. You can't, please don't come in without wearing your mask. So things like that, but also just like a liability waiver for now you go to the doctor's office or the dentist and they're all pretty much the same. You know, it says like, have you been in contact with somebody? Have you traveled out of the state? Things like that. And the person just has to check that, you know, they have, don't have symptoms. They haven't been in near somebody with symptoms they haven't traveled and then sign that their name attesting that they, you know, waive liability if they do happen to come in contact at your place of business with COVID. Interesting. Yeah. I had to just sign one of those the other day at the dentist. So maybe they're a customer of yours. Okay. Planners, wall art, trackers, templates, COVID forms. Okay. We're getting the, the creative juices flowing here. I'm, I'm like, shoot my, my habit tracker. Maybe I see if I put that up there and, uh, and sell that. I've got some other templates and stuff that I've been using. Targeting a business-to-business customer, I like that because there's generally less price sensitivity and hopefully a greater volume of sale or maybe less competition in that space would be a better way to phrase it than just, this is for every mom, like saying, no, this is something specific, even for this type, you can niche down by the business type. Anything else on this product research front that I should be looking for? So now that you have a bestseller, E-Rank is a tool that I highly recommend. There's a few different, there's Alluro, always new ones coming out, but E-Rank is my favorite. And I recommend that people get the paid subscription. At least, you know, you can get, get it for a month and just try to do as much research as possible. And then you can pause it and move on. But that really lets you track your competition. So that shop that you said, you can go in there and look kind of behind the scenes and you can at least take a better guess at what their best selling items are. You can look at their keywords and you know, again, success leaves clues. So they might have done something right in the keyword realm. And so you can go in and see like which of the keywords did they use, which one seems to be the most popular. Take a guess at how many items they're selling of that specific item, where they're getting traffic from, things like that. And they also E-Rank just has a keyword tool. So there's you can go on Etsy and look for bestsellers, but you can also go in E-Rank and look at their keywords. And they have, based on the month, they have things that are like, oh, this is a rising keyword. This is a hot keyword. This is trending. And so that's really helpful to just have the right data. And I think that for me, that was a huge turning point when I got E-Rank and upgraded and really paid attention to my site and really did the research first because you do spend time making products, but you can spend a bunch of time making a product that never sells, or you can do all the research up front and kind of decide based on your research, whether or not a product is worth taking a chance on. And then I feel like you're much more likely to be successful because you have better data informing your decision of which products to make. Right. You're doing a lot of upfront, somewhat speculative work in creating this thing only to have it drowned out by competition or find out, well, there's really no search volume around that keyword. Mm -hmm. So yeah, trying to do this homework upfront may lead you to a, a slightly different idea than what you thought. And so I'm trying to think of what an example would be like, maybe if I wanted to do business plan templates for kids, like, oh, you want to start a lemonade stand, you want to start a lawn mowing business. Here's kind of the template, like, what's your marketing plan? I don't know if, the, if any parents would, would be interested in this, but maybe going through, it's like, oh, well, maybe that's not what they're looking for. But really what they're looking for is like an allowance spreadsheet, or I don't know, some like budgeting tool for kids. I don't know. But you go down that rabbit hole and see what might happen. Is there a metric that you're looking for in terms of search volume or sales volume to say like, this sounds interesting. I think I could compete here. 
it's kind of a unicorn, but you want a high search volume in a perfect world and low competition, right? So you're looking for that blue ocean, which is hard to come by. But I think E-Rank will put for competition, if it's 50,000 or more, it'll be in red. And it's like this bar is full basically. And it's like, there's a lot of competition like, there. Do, so, do not enter. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I look for the opposite of that. Um, so it's usually in green. And honestly, if it's, I really like to see like there's a hundred competition or a couple hundred, but not in the thousands, but I think it's still green, even if it's thousands of people of competition, but I try to find those smaller ones. And honestly, with the search volume, I'm not looking for 10,000 or something crazy with search volume. I try to find those long tail keywords. So something that is very specific doesn't have a ton of competition for that very specific keyword. And it probably doesn't have a ton of search volume, but it's enough that my products will get seen because there's some people searching for it and I'm going to easily come to the top of the search because there's not that much competition. Okay. Yeah. Lawn care business for kids, planning template, like really long tail type of stuff. Mm -hmm. If somebody is searching for that and they find you and they say, well, shoot, this is the thing that I need. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Exactly. Versus business plan template. Like, oh my gosh, I imagine that's got to be crazy competitive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just like wall art, right? Like you can get downloadable wall art, but I think that's so broad that people there's going to be goth stuff on there and then there's going to be cute baby shower type things or stuff for a baby's room. And so there's no way that you're going to get like your target market with something so vague. You really have to get detailed in the keywords to make them worth your while. Yeah. What's interesting is I guess there's an opportunity for somebody to, this is all like, you know, PDF file printed at home type of stuff. Actually, I should, maybe we should pause there. Like what is the file format for the stuff that you're selling? So PDF is very common, but you can do JPEG, PNG. I mean, for example, I do Instagram templates. So some like Canva, I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's a really popular like edit, edit free or low cost editing software that a lot of people use. So Canva templates are starting to become popular. And I think even like there's people like you, right? People that have blogs that want a template that they can sell as a freebie for their site. So you can like an ebook template. It's not even an ebook. It's just something that's designed and laid out in a pretty way in Canva. Those things like that are starting to sell from a business to business standpoint. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I love Canva as a relatively new user, like probably in the last year or so, I've kind of become more engaged with like, it's crazy powerful. I'm just on the the free version of it right now. It's like, man, this is impressive what you can do. Is that primarily what you're using when you go to create something new is Canva? Yeah. So I Canva, sometimes I do Word and do like convert a Microsoft Word document into like for a form, right? If it's a basic form, like the COVID form, it's just a Microsoft template. And then I put it into a PDF. But a lot of the things, if I'm designing something, it's definitely Canva. Did you have any sort of background in design or creating cute fonts or anything like that? I'll just learn as I go. Just learn as I go. But I have been doing, I think all of my like working life, I've either been in charge of email newsletters or creating flyers or things like that. Um, and I've had some great mentors who were graphic designers. So I would get it started and a lot of times create them in Canva and then we'd have a graphic designer, but it was so much easier, less expensive for them to just give me five minutes of a critique and, you know, make it better than for them to spend an hour of their time designing it from scratch. So that has been helpful throughout my career to get, you know, 
I've never taken a graphic design course, but I do, I think I have, I like interior design. I like decorating and I think I have an eye for it. So kind of a natural knack for it. And I have had some mentors that have helped, but in general, it's just all been self-taught. Yeah. And imagine in some niches, it matters more than others, probably less so in the COVID forms, but probably more so in the Canva templates and other thing, the wall art, especially where it's like, well, it's got to look good. And the reason I was asking about the PDFs and the file formats was like, I'm thinking of wall art, like poster size type of stuff. Like we ordered one of the Etsy orders that we did was a kind of a watercolor world map, which was, I imagine, you know, a print on demand type of thing, or, you know, maybe she had in-house printing, but it, it came in a giant cardboard tube. It wasn't something that I printed at home just because it was like, well, it's bigger than an eight and a half by 11 type of thing. Have you ventured into the world of like physical product shipping in any way? No, <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> don't, want yeah. don't want to touch it. It just, I think there's, it's funny because on Etsy, they, it was like a year ago, I think they started doing free shipping and they highly recommended all the shops do free shipping. Because if you look at Amazon and the models, like that's what consumers want. But you know, yeah. if you're shipping a mug that you created from hand, one, the time to create that mug is a lot. And then because, you know, it's that handmade thing. And then you have to literally take that one mug to the post office and ship it. So it just becomes time consuming and it's expensive because it's heavy. And so it just, again, it dips into your margins so much. And I, there's definitely ways to make profit. And I think for tangible items on Etsy, because it's handmade, people are willing sometimes to pay more. But then you can get into the, you know, there's competition out there. And one way to beat the competition is to lower the price. And so sometimes they, you know, you can see price wars or pe- you can sort in Etsy by lowest price. And a lot of times if there's a best selling product, there's more than one person making something similar and the consumer might just buy the le- least expensive thing. And you hope that that business owner is smart enough to make sure they have a margin, but sometimes the margins can start getting thin. So yeah, I've always just stayed away from physical products. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is there anything you can do on the digital side to build a virtual moat or some sort of competitive defense around a niche that you find or a product that you found to be profitable? And because it probably doesn't take long before somebody else punches it into E-Rank and finds like, oh, maybe I should build something similar or rip off what she's already done. I mean, I think, again, that pricing strategy, which can get scary because if you start, like, let's say another competitor comes in and matches your price or undercuts it. If you're keeping an eye on the competition, you can go and undercut them. But again, it can get back into a price war where you just keep undercutting each other. So, you know, that's one manipulation you can try. You can try to offer obviously better customer service. You can provide extras or freebies so you can keep the same price or have a more expensive price than your competitors, but offer something that's better. So maybe you have a free ebook or if, you know, if you're selling a form, you offer a, you know, something else that a business owner would want. Right. So like if it's that template for an ebook, you sell them that, but then maybe you, if you've sold a bunch of ebooks and were super profitable, you can offer a free thing that tells them all your secrets about how you, you know, made a million dollars with your ebooks. Right. And so you can offer other things that's like, okay, I can pay $5 for this template, or I can pay $6 for this template. Plus this really hopefully powerful ebook that will help me make a million dollars. So you can try manipulations like that. But I do think customer service, like reviews, listing images, because sometimes people will come in and say they're new. And if you already have been around for a while, or maybe you just have strengths or skills that are better than some of the other stores. Like if you are better at graphic design, you can make your listing images look better. You can have better description. So you're really telling people what they get. If you read Simon Sinek, Start With Why, you can have a really interesting about section and tell people like what your mission is and why you're doing this business. And is that going to work for everybody? No, but will it work for some? Possibly. And I think your marketing methods too, like some people go directly to Etsy and it's just like, okay, what is the thing I need? What's the cheapest? I'm going to buy that thing. But then other people find it on Pinterest or on Instagram or some, you know, Facebook, some other way. And they go directly to your store and they're never looking at the competition because they just found yours and it's what they need. So there are ways you can do it. And I think Etsy now even allows you to create your own like it looks like your own store, but it's still run through Etsy, but then you're not seeing all the other competitors because rather than like Etsy.com slash your store, they're just going to your store.com and then they just see your products. And so if you can, you know, send your marketing to your own page and it just happens to be run on the Etsy platform, then you don't have to worry about the competition because they're not seeing it. Okay. Gotcha. Have you ventured off to create the store tab on moneyhackingmama.com. Do you see yourself going down that path? Yeah, that's, that's all my list of things to do. So I think I'll always keep the Etsy platform because just organically with keywords, they're bringing traffic to my store, which is nice. But then, you know, there, there are competition and I do want to like test out, uh, not Etsy ads, but Facebook ads and see how that works. But I would hate to send them to Etsy and then where all my competitors are, as opposed to if I'm paying directly for the ad, then I'd want them to send them to my own storefront and, you know, at least get, offer them a freebie and get their email address so that I can retarget them later. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. That would be that'd be awful. Like, oh, I'm gonna pay for this traffic and then oh, you know what? Your stuff looks nice, but I'm gonna go buy the competitors thing because it's a dollar cheaper too. Mm-hmm. Oh, frustrating. Tell me about the like listing optimization process. So after you've gone through the keyword research, you've created this thing in Canva or wherever, put it up there, you've, you know, you're really excited about it. What kind of best practices are you seeing for giving this listing the best chance for visibility and success? So definitely looking at the, just making sure that it looks pretty. I think some people, and I did this when I first started, you spend so much time making the product. So let's call it a budget planner. You spend hours making that and making it perfect. And then you just want to list it. And so you go really quick. You do the keyword research quickly. You come up with a name quickly, and then you just throw up some random images that kind of describe what it is just to get it up there. But I think you kind of need to flip it is what I've learned and really like maybe take a day off, take some time off, and then really invest the time to make really beautiful listing images because that's really what needs to shine. Yes, you want your the thing that they're buying to be really good, but really the thing that's going to sell them is the pictures of that thing that they're going to buy. And they need to feel like, oh, that is exactly what I need. And it looks so beautiful. And I want that thing. So like create that emotion, which can be hard in 10, 10 images, especially for a digital type product. But it's really good to try. Now, the cool thing too, is they let you do videos. And so it definitely takes more time and it can be more of a headache if you don't know how to do it. But I would highly recommend that you invest the time to figure out how to do a video that, you know, can show somebody, for example, like you can record it on your your phone, shows if it's a planner, is it printed out and somebody filling it in and using it physically or like even if it's a PDF and there's multiple pages, like scrolling through the multiple pages, because I think you have 15 seconds of the video. But you can even do a preview of like a Canva template, for example, there's a link and then you have to like click a few buttons to get to it. So you, you have 15 seconds, you can show somebody like, how are they going to open this file? What does it look like when they actually receive it? And almost do a little demo so that once they've purchased the product, they know how that they're going to end up using it. Do you strike a balance between showing what the product is and what's inside it versus trying to keep some of it a secret? Like some on some of these, and it's I'm on a weekly chore chart for kids, and it's a simple like one page type of thing, instant download. It looks like I could create this, you know, in, in just a couple minutes in Excel or something. And they're giving it away. I mean, they're not giving it away, but like they're showing you exactly what it is mm-hmm. and selling it for three ninety seven. So. I don't know. Is there a best practice that you see? This store has over five thousand sales. They're they're clear, and it's got the best seller tag. So, like, people are buying it. But I would be wary of like showing too much up front. Is that uh, is that a thing? That's a thing, and I it's a great question. But I think it's always better to just be honest. And you'd be surprised. I think it's it's easy to think like, oh, a competitor can come in and copy me. And yes, they can. I mean, for four dollars though, the competitor could buy it right? They could buy it. And I mean, you would hope somebody wouldn't do this, but they could purchase it, tweak it slightly and then sell the same thing. Now that's illegal and they're not supposed to do it. But if they tweaked it enough, you know, how, how's anyone going to say, like you just said, you can look at it and recreate it. And if somebody did create it from scratch, then it's not illegal anymore. So I would say just more is better because people are looking for these types of things and they want to know what they're buying. Um, and so if you try to hold back, you're probably going to not get as many cells, quite frankly. And I mean, you, you only have 10 images. So if it's a huge product that has a lot of things, sometimes you can't show everything off. 
but I would, I would say give more away. Um, and yes, com- competitors can come in, but I think that's where you have to shine in other areas and it can be scary, but I found that, you know, you're looking at it from your point of view. We're like, well, I could make this in five minutes, but not everybody has your tech abilities. I made some, like I was talking about before, when I first started some digital art for a wedding. And I think a woman paid me a hundred dollars to make a bunch of them custom for her niece's wedding. And literally I went into Canva and typed in like phrases like drink and be merry. And I changed the font and I saved it and it took me 10 seconds and I did like 10 of those for her. And I was just like, this is so easy. Like lady, why aren't you just using Canva? But she was probably just not tech savvy, didn't know what Canva was or couldn't be bothered. Like some people, you know, if you're making, if you're a lawyer or somebody that makes a high income, like, yes, you could do it, but do you have the time and the energy to do it? Like you might just be willing to pay somebody five or 10 bucks to do it for you. Yeah, there's a bunch of cool ideas on here. I'm now I'm on the 75 hard challenge. Have you heard about this? This is like a workout program. Mm, okay. I've seen people like posting their because that's part of the challenge is posting like progress photos for doing this. It's like where you like, you know, are super strict on your diet and you do these like really intense workouts, I think two times a day. So but this this shop is selling the 75 hard challenge tracker printable and it's got, you know, a place to do your before and after measurements. It's got, you know, this daily kind of checkbox thing. It's like very well designed. Uh, It's just a couple bucks, but it seems like they have uh, been selling a lot of these. So lots of different ideas to go down there. So that's kind of the image optimization side of things, like, you know, making it visually appealing. Anything on the titles, descriptions, like keyword. I mean, I see that it on this 75 hard example. It's, it's like borderline keyword stuffing, but it's like 75 hard challenge tracker printable, habit tracker bundle, hashtag 75 hard, hashtag 75 hard challenge, Andy Frisella challenge, me- weekly meal planner, health. Like they're trying to jam a lot of keywords into the title, but is that, that's just what you do? That's what you got to do to get noticed here? They don't share what their algorithm is, but they do want highly relevant keywords. So describe exactly what that thing is. And from what I've read and heard, it's the first few words they're going to give the most weight to, which makes sense. So those first three three or four or five words, that's really what you need to use to describe the item. And then the other stuff, I'm sure they kind of use it, but probably not. They don't give it as much weight as those first few words. I did read somewhere that don't repeat the words. So if you use challenge once, you don't need to use it multiple times. It's not going to help you any, and it is just going to, you know, take some of those characters away. Description. I don't know that I've heard that Etsy doesn't really use the description that much, but Google does. So, and Etsy items do show up in Google search, especially if you do shopping. So you definitely want to do your description the thing with Etsy for your description is you really want to describe what that is because people are going to, they'll see the picture. They'll see that what it says it is. They'll look at the pictures and then they still might have questions. And so if you answer some of those questions and anticipate those in the description, that's really helpful. And then Google, if they're describing the product, that's helpful as well. But I do think the biggest thing is the keywords and the tags and you get 13 of those. And so I would use every single one. Again, don't repeat keywords. Like they don't care about plural or not plural. So like don't put, you know, form and forms because Etsy sees those ads the same. And you want to use, you want to keep as many keywords as you can and use unique ones. And then again, just long tail keywords, use those as much as you can. Again, if you put wall art in there, yes, you might be selling wall art, but there's so much competition and 
there's people like people are going to look at that and the odds of you selling something through that keyword are so low that it's kind of a wasted keyword. I would get much more specific as specific as possible to really find your ideal customer who wants the thing that you're selling. Yeah. Wall art for baby shower, second child or something like, I don't know. Very, very detailed. Okay. That's helpful, especially on the don't bother repeating keywords. You're just wasting space. Come up with something else, a different variation that somebody might be looking for. What else works for you on the marketing strategy? So there's this element of Etsy organic discovery, which is, I imagine, like winning the lottery, like selling a digital product that somebody you know found you for free, and now it was completely hands-off to deliver it. It's like, ah, oh, living the passive income dream. But I imagine it takes a little bit of effort to get there and uh, curious what other marketing strategies are working well these days. So I really like Etsy ads. They make it pretty simple. And so I have a freebie on my website that goes into depth, but I can highlight some of the best practices here. You have to make sure that it's optimized for keywords because you don't want to start, you know, turn ads on, but you have all these really vague keywords because you'll get, you know, shown at the top of wall art. But when you're selling, you know, the second child baby wall art and somebody just is looking for wall art for their new mansion, right? Like it's, it's not going to be helpful for you. And they might click on your thing just because they're curious and you just wasted your 25 cents or 15 cents or something like that. Okay. So they charge you per click. Mm -hmm. It's on the listing level as where you turn the ad on. You can turn it on the listing level or in, within Etsy, there's another section that just like under marketing, under ads, and you can manage it both way. Versus like at the, the whole shop level, I mean. Right. So you, you can't just, you don't just turn your whole shop on, correct? You could like that. There's a way to do that, but you, it's pretty much every single listing you go and turn it on or off. Okay. And so making sure that that listing is really targeted to and descriptive to what it is. Mm-hmm. So you don't end up on these irrelevant search term or maybe like super broad in uh in adwords it used to be called broad match where you could rack up your budget in a hurry on some of these broad match terms if you were careful my understanding was you couldn't like it was all automated like you couldn't target specific keywords or something it was all like just hands off well don't just just trust us trust us with your budget we'll we'll get you to the relevant audience Mm mm-hmm and it's the same way with Etsy, but you get to manage the keywords first. And so that's why you need to be very careful with your keywords. And I think like going back to some of my other advice of the price point. So I would never advertise a listing that I am only charging a dollar for. I think $5 or more again is that sweet spot because you know, you're know you paying for ads. So that is going to eat away at some of your profit. It is very contingent on you as an individual, you as a shop, your click-through rate, your order rate, because you can spend a bunch of money and you can have a $30 item. And if nobody ever buys it, you know, even the if you're like, okay, that one person that buys it, it's okay if I spend $20 on ads and that one person that buy, I'll, I'll have a little bit of profit. But what if you spent 35 on ads? Well, it's not profitable anymore. So you just have to be careful with that. One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside 
You'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. That means whether you're just starting out or your side hustle is already growing like crazy, Squarespace takes all things website-related and makes them easy. I want to highlight a few Squarespace features for you. One I knew about and a couple I didn't. First off, where Squarespace really shines is this huge library of professional website templates. That means you're not starting from scratch because they've got designs for every category and use case that you can customize to fit your unique needs so your business stands out online. That was the thing I knew about. Second one was new to me, and that's their online store functionality. Whether you're selling physical or digital products or a service, Squarespace has got the tools you need to start selling online. And third is their email campaigns. They make it easy to collect email subscribers from your site and drive engagement and sales through Squarespace email campaigns, and you can track the results of every send with built-in analytics. So head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash side hustle to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash side hustle. Is there a target return on ad spend that you like to see? I mean, anything that's profitable, but for, <laughs> sure. I think market, like I did research on just like, what do marketing people want on their just, you know, what is Apple computers want on their marketing spend. It's usually just industry average is four to five X what you spend. So if you put $20 in, you want to get a hundred dollars of revenue in. Okay. Wow. That's, that's probably higher than maybe I expected, but I guess there's, I mean, in their case, there's selling a physical product with admittedly good margins, but not as good as a, a digital immediate download type of product. Yeah. And that being said, so that's the kind of industry average. So I shoot for that, but I've had some go to three, three X and I'm okay with that because and I'll debate, should I turn this off? Should I not? And then I'm like, well, if I could give somebody a dollar and they'd give me three, I'll still do that all day long. So as long as I see it's profitable, I'll leave it on. Yeah. I mean, if you can get that money machine flowing, I can see why you're interested in Facebook ads and other, other marketing channels too, at this point, because that's where things really start to scale and get interesting. Exactly. You mentioned Pinterest, you've got the blog, you've got, you know, potentially this Facebook thing going down the road. Anything else on the marketing front outside of these Etsy ads? I've seen people do Instagram and even like build following. So there's a woman that I follow and she does digital planners. And so depending on the product that you're using, if it's something that you can show off you using it and like get people excited, my products don't really do that. And because I'm working full time, I haven't had the time to do that, but Maybe when I have more time, I might dabble in that um, because it's interesting. And then like TikTok, right? I think one, it might be like Digital Planners is the name of her shop or something like that. But she does, she has a TikTok and an Instagram and has quite a few uh, um, followers. And I think just Digital Planners is a whole and planner, physical planners. There's a whole community around that. Um, And people like their little stickers and it's like there's YouTube channels of like plan with me and do this, we'll do this together. So I think 
if there's a community and you can tap into that community and get people excited about your product that way, like more power to you. It just, again, it goes back to time. Right. Yeah. Where is your time best spent? And for you, it sounds like it's, you know, either building new products or turning on ads to the ones that are already proven sellers. Mm -hmm, Exactly. What kind of time are you investing into the Etsy shop these days with all the other commitments that you've got going on? Yeah, it varies. I asked my husband that last night. I was like, how much time do you think I'm putting into this? I think some days it's like literally no time, maybe 15 minutes. You know, I'll get a couple of questions from a customer. They'll say they had trouble downloading it. So I need to send them an email and I'll pop on my computer and send it to them. But other days I'll like, I've been blessed because I have two small children with maternity leave. And so I've used a lot of that to build my products. And I do like building your shop, creating products. It, it can be time consuming. The payoff is it's time consuming once and then it pays for itself forever. Right. So you just have to like get that little bit of time away. And so I've have good vacation and paid time off and things like that. So I would take days off and spend just a couple hours or eight hours and just try to get as many products done as possible. But I think to answer your question, I am planning on quitting my job soon. And I think full time for me will probably be 20 to 30 hours a week, but that will be like hardcore into product creation and again, like learning more about Facebook ads and like going deep down that path to really grow my shop and see if I can, I mean, my goal, I'll put it out there is I want to make a thousand dollars a day, which I know is like, that seems kind of crazy when I say it, but I think it's, it's possible. And so that if I'm putting full-time time into it, I think I can make that happen. But I think what I've been doing with all my other stuff is maybe 10 hours a week, like an hour or two a day. And a lot of it is in 15 minute increments, waiting in line to pick up the kids or like at line in the grocery store or something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Trying to is like it could be very fleeting. Trying to get an actual block of time to concentrate and get something done. It's like, okay, if I've got these little little pebbles and sand type of tasks that I can mm-hmm. do in these little 15 minute cracks, then that's okay. But it's hard to chip away at some of these uh, bigger projects. I was going to ask, do you have a sense of the size of the portfolio in terms of the number of listings or number of products that you have now? Since it sounds like growing that is a priority. Yeah, right now I have, I think, 114 last time I checked, but I really want to get that up. And I, it hasn't been growing a lot. I actually hired a graphic designer to help me with some product development. And so that's been helpful. But now the funny thing is I can give him the products that I want to make, but I still am the one that researches them and lists them. And even just that takes time. And so I have a ton of products that I need to list that I just haven't had time to put up yet. Yeah. It sounds like a very cool uh, empire in the making. I'm excited for you. What a cool creative outlet. Like if you're into this sort of thing and maybe you already have created these like for your own family, your own households, like, well, could I create a prettier version of this and throw this up on the shop? I don't know. It's a very interesting one, very exciting side hustle. Rachel, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share with that. So that sounds like kind of what's on the horizon for you, maybe taking this thing full time. Anything else you're excited about for the rest of 2021? Yeah, vacation, the world opening up. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to Seattle um, in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited for that and being able to travel and have my side hustle making making money for me while I'm traveling. Living the dream. Well, very good. You can find her at moneyhackingmama.com, M-A-M-A.com. Grab your free guide to Etsy ads over there. Again, moneyhackingmama.com. 
Rachel, thanks so much for joining me. And let's wrap this thing up with a number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. This doesn't have to be Etsy related, just whatever entrepreneurial wisdom that you'd like to impart. Sure. And this took me forever to learn, but I think I finally learned it with Etsy. And I think it applies to all businesses, but go where the demand is, go where the money is, the demand is, you can try to match it. And I think it's definitely good if you match it with your passion and your knowledge and what you're interested in. But I think I spent so much of my life just being like, I like this thing. So I'm going to try to make money at it and never looking at whether or not there was a market for that or demand. And so once I finally flipped it and said like, what's their demand for? And what do I also have somewhat of an interest and skills in? that's where the magic really started happening for me. So please don't learn the hard way like I did. (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. Go where the demand is, very true. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much. Go where the demand is, go where the cash is already flowing. Definitely a common theme here on the Side Hustle Show. In fact, I wrote a whole book on the topic called Buy Buttons, which you can find at buybuttonsbook.com but this is definitely a side hustle that appeals to me. Creating helpful products that you can sell over and over again in at least a semi-automated fashion. And I know it's a bit of a volume game, especially given the low price points, but Etsy's growing like crazy and there seems to be a big upside potential here. I mean, Rachel started about two years ago, very part-time and has turned it into this full-time income stream. One thing we didn't mention was the course that helped her get started and that's the e-printables side hustle course by Julie Berninger and Cody Berman. I do have an affiliate link for the course if you're interested, but actually what you should do is instead go to Rachel's site, read her review of the course and join through her link instead. I'll link up that post of hers in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at sidehustlenation.com slash Rachel J or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. There you'll also find the full text summary of this episode, along with links to all the other resources mentioned. Big thanks to Rachel for sharing her insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Is there a more dreaded question than what's for dinner? Meal planning and eating well to hit your nutrition goals doesn't have to be complicated. Our sponsor, Factor, makes it easy by sending delicious, ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals right to your door. Every week, you've got over 35 different menu options to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie options, and more. Some personal favorites of ours so far have been the garlic mushroom chicken thighs and the Indian butter tofu. These are restaurant-quality meals ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's the perfect easy button solution for busy side hustlers and couples. And it's not just dinner either. Factor has nutrient-packed snacks, smoothies, breakfasts, and more. And hey, plans change, which is why you can scale up or down your meals or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 and use code sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code sidehustle50 at factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Big thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show.